time for Coffee with the Chicken Ladies, a podcast for people who love chickens. Hey, everybody, and welcome. It's Chrissy and Holly from Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. We're here, and this is episode number 57 of our podcast, where we talk about everything chicken, family, fun, and more chickens. More chickens. We drink a ton of coffee. I'm talking a ton. But most importantly, we hug chickens every day. And kiss them, too. Don't forget, we brew coffee from a little coffee house here in Bel Air, Maryland. Holly Ann, what kind of coffee are we brewing today? This is cinnamon churro, and it's really good. It is super good. Are we ready to drink coffee and talk? Yes, we are. So how are you doing after the holidays? Great. It was nice. How was your holiday? It was quiet. I wish ours had been a little quieter. Yeah, it was quiet over here. After we came home from Williamsburg... Mm -hmm. Joe was ill, no right. COVID or anything. Right. In Maryland, there's a lot of viruses going on. Yes. So basically, we just gave some time for everybody to get better and heal. Uh -huh. Sure. We saw family later in the week after Christmas, but it was just us and my sister-in-law, and that was it. That sounds really nice. We went to see my in-laws, and we spent some time with my sisters and their families, and it was really nice. You know me, I'm a homebody, so I'm always happy to come home. That's what it was this year for us. Yeah. And, you know, I don't like to be away from the chickens and all the sheep and the other animals that long anyway. Yeah. Speaking of chickens, did you get any good chicken stuff for I Christmas? I did. I did. I'm going to have to put it up on the gram. I'm going to have to show everybody my fun stuff I got. Chickens on the edge. Did you? Oh, yeah, I did. I got plenty of chicken stuff. Got some chicken ornaments. Got some chicken socks. Oh, yeah. My bestie maybe have given me some chicken leggings. <laughs> There's a chicken extravaganza, yeah. Extravaganza. Yes. Uh, of chickens. The odd sheep thing here and there. I got a lot of books. You know, you know, we love the books. And Joe did get you the sheep mug. He did. That's so cute. I he love that He picked it mug. out all by himself. Oh, thank he you, He came Joe. home with it. He must have been proud Well, that was for your birthday, though. We know that Holly's Ann's birthday is right before Christmas. Three days before Christmas. Yeah, so... <laughs> it's like she gets a big amount of gifts that you got to separate between Christmas and birthday. All my life, people have said to me, do you get cheated out of birthday gifts because people give you like one gift for both? And the answer is no. My family, the wallet's already open. Yeah. And I feel like my birthday is very well celebrated. Yeah. I'm grateful for that. It's really nice. Yeah. We're all the Thanksgiving birthdays. Yeah. So it's like, here, let's all eat a ton for your birthday. That's it. That sounds good, too. <laughs> that sounds good. Okay. So we're getting ready for New Year's this week. And it's going to be fun. We're planning on getting together for our lunch, yes. which will be fun. Yeah. With the guys. Yeah. That is fun. This year, are we dressing up? I don't know. I don't think so. But yeah, the Christmas part of the holiday mm -hmm. is good. We're waiting on the New Year's. I'm hoping that everyone's going to be well for New Year's. I hope so. I've really loved this tradition from Colonial America of celebrating for the 12 days. Yeah. I love this. Yeah. So we've kind of been having like special little menus every day. It's been a lot of fun. Well, Joe doesn't take off at all the whole year except for like a week for a vacation. Joe is a hardworking person, man. Yeah. So he has all these days at the end of the year. Yeah. It is like... We forget which time of the day it is. Right. We're watching movies until two in the morning. <laughs> That's fun. Yeah, we're sleeping in a little bit. The chickens are like, woohoo, wake up, people. I put myself in this funny little schedule. I usually do all the coops either on Saturday or Sunday. Yeah. Clean them, I mean. But I've been cleaning a coop a day, which because I have seven coops works really well. <laughs> So, like, I pop out there, I get a coop clean. I feel like I've accomplished something. Instead of the 12 days of Christmas, it's the seven days of coops. <laughs> seven works coops well. of cleaning. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. So, anyway, that's our lazy, happy place right now. Yeah, yeah. So, it's going to be a new year. 
Now, I saw this on the internet, so no one get mad at me, but it was this meme that said, the moment you realize that the year 2022 is saying 2022. Do you get it? Maybe. So instead of saying 2022, the number, yeah. think about it as in 2020 and then T-O-O. That's, oh, okay. Two. Like, 2022. Like, okay. again. Yes. Well, I mean, what happens for me is as soon as I see a new year on the calendar, I'm like, new year, new chickens. Yeah. New year. Let's starts. talk about some breeds. Let's talk about the spring. It's the beginning. The January 1st is like, can we bring spring? Early spring. <laughs> That's where we are. Yeah. So why don't we just go ahead and ask everybody a big favor? If you're listening to our show and you're loving it, if you could head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a written review, it does amazing things for our show. And we love reading these reviews. We love it. We do. They're fantastic. And they really do help the podcast grow. If you're looking for other ways to support the podcast, you can visit our Etsy shop and see some of the t-shirts we have on offer. You can also visit our Patreon page, patreon.com slash coffee with the chicken ladies. Check out our levels of membership. You can share our podcast, including your favorite episodes on social media. The other thing you can do to help support the podcast is buy products from our sponsors. Yay! We have some exciting news to share from our sponsor, Grubly Farms. You can get all the same great treats and feed with a fresh new look. Check out their new website. From now until the end of December, you can receive 20% off if you're a first-time buyer. We have a special discount code for our listeners. Coffee20 for 20% off your first purchase. Follow the link in our show notes. This offer does not apply to subscriptions and cannot combine with any other discounts. It's a great time to try Grubbly Farms if you haven't yet. Use the code COFFEE20. Try it today. Hey, Chris. Yeah. Do you like subscription boxes? Does it have anything to do with chickens? Of course. Then yeah. Let me just take a minute to tell you about the Chicken Love Box. If you love goodies for your chickens and you, you need to go to chickenlove.com. I love the Mega Box. Tons of useful products for my flock and a chicken tea for me. You can't go wrong with these chicken teas. They are so soft and so cute. In the December box, I absolutely love the delicious smelling nesting box herbs and the adorable egg stamp. My favorite was the chicken coop charm bracelet. It was so adorable. And that chick soap. Oh, it's so cute. Boxes start at $39 a month. They ship immediately after your order and shipping is always free. It's such a great deal. Don't wait. Get off the nest and click already. That's chickenlove.com. That's chickenluv.com. Get your subscription today. Okay, so now it's about that time for the breed spotlight, the breed spotlight of the week is the Appenzeller Spitzhaben. <laughs> I've been practicing that. Have you? I was like, I have to remember this melody. I love that song. I enjoyed it. The Appenzeller Spitzhaben. I just like saying it. Appenzeller Spitzhaben. It's a weird name for a chicken. Well, we'll explain it. The Appenzeller Spitzhaben. It's a small body chicken from Switzerland. Yes, it is. It's from the Swiss. They are remarkable for their forward-facing crest. Yes, better known as a mohawk. It does look like a wild mohawk. It makes them look wild. It really does. They're very pretty birds anyway. Most of the varieties are spangled, 
You know we love a spangled chicken. One of my favorites. They have blue legs. They have white earlobes and a V-shaped comb, most of which is obscured by the crest. The V-shaped comb is always a little strange for me on chickens. Yeah. That V-shaped comb is very, very old. It's generally found on very old breeds, including the Polish. Yes. The Krevkor. The Krevkor, we've done a breed spotlight on that one. It's very interesting. Yes. And it's very pronounced on that one. Well, the Krevkor really is. It is. They are really wild-looking chickens. If you're interested in the Krevkor, head back to one of our earlier episodes. I've read in a couple places the possibility that the Krevkor is one of the foundation breeds for the Spitaben. I can see it. It's I possible. totally see that chicken yeah. in this chicken. The other thing is with the wild mohawk, you could go scrunchy crazy with this chicken. You really could. They really need like a scrunchie in there. The thing with the Spitzhaben's crest, and I feel the same way about the Crested Cream Leg Bar crest, is that it doesn't obscure their eyesight as much as, say, the Polish crest does. Right. So you get the best of both worlds. You get this really cute crest without the feather it's blindness. It's not poofy. It literally looks like a mohawk. Like if they would slick their hair back. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah. You know, where the Polish, they have like, you know. They have a good uh, it's a proper poof. poof, yeah. So our Spitzhaben also has very pretty dark brown eyes. Like we said, they're a light-bodied chicken. They weigh anywhere between three and a half to four and a half pounds, depending on the age and the sex of the bird. Mm-hmm. And they are also more rarely found as bantams. Which would be good. So the name. Appenzell is a region in the northeast of Switzerland. Right. And I like this. Greenfire Farms website has a charming explanation for the rest of the name. The Spitzhaben are ceremonial hats worn as part of traditional costumes by women from the region of Appenzell. They sport a large crest on the top of the bonnet. Okay. So in about the 1500s, there was a chicken breed that emerged in the monasteries of Appenzell, and the birds had a forward-facing crest on their heads. So it looked like a bonnet with a crest. It looked like that bonnet. So <laughs> the birds were called the Appenzeller Spitzhaben. I'm looking at some pictures of them as chicks. They're really cute. They're really cute, They're chicks. cute chicks. If I saw them someplace, that would be a total impulse buy for me that I could not resist. Yeah, they're super cute. The chicks cute. are super cute, yeah. The breed has been present in Switzerland since at least the 1600s. And from what we've read, they hadn't really been exported out of Switzerland until the 18 and 1900s. You started to see them outside of Switzerland more. Right. The breed almost went extinct after World War II ravaged Europe. So probably knowing what we know about the history of chickens. I think every chicken breed almost went extinct after World War II. And horse breeds, and there's some dog breeds. I mean, I think at some point, this is just my take on it personally. Mm -hmm. I think people, when they're involved in such a gross war of the world, Mm -hmm. World War II was immense. Right. It takes people time to rebound from something like this. Yeah. And what goes out are the things that they cared about the most. They're just worried about survival at that point. Right. And sometimes the animals lose out. I mean, you know? the reality of it, speaking as a historian, the reality of this is from World War One to World War Two, the world changed. I mean, it changed yeah. drastically. And in lots of ways, not just the animals died because of the war, but the need for those animals was shoved under the table as mass production came in. We're kind of going through the same thing now. A bit, I think, yeah. It's a war with a virus, basically. But it's a war to embrace nature and bring it back in. 
it's kind of giving us the opposite effect to mm-hmm. slow down, to take in what's going on in the world and to save these animals. Yeah, it's interesting that the effect is to slow things down and let people look around and choose to do things like raise heritage breeds. Where yeah. after World War II, it was survival. It was how can we feed people? Yeah. And that's, they started these industrial farms with the best of intentions. They just went haywire along the way. And a bird like the Spitzhaben that didn't have a huge mass presence anyway really was on the wrong side. I think one of the only birds that wasn't in trouble after World War II were like the Rhode Island Red. And the Leghorn? And the Leghorn because they're foundation breeds. They are, but you could argue that they had their own damage done to them. Because because they were industrialized. Exactly. You really can't ignore the history. So as we said, they almost went extinct after the First and Second World Wars. And they're currently on the threatened list. They are currently listed in the threatened category of the Livestock Conservancy's poultry conservation list. Which again, if these chickens were more easily available, I don't think they would be in the threatened Right. And that's one of the reasons why at the end of the breed spotlight, we try to tell you where you can get them. If we pique your interest and you look at them. Yeah. You know what I'm going to say about this chicken. We all know that Holly's going to say that this chicken could fit very conveniently into her flock. It totally would. The Siamese would be like, oh, heck no. Yeah, they do kind of have that same sprightly bird. Like, yeah, it's funny, but it's true. So we'll go back to the history after World War II. So this is an interesting story. I've seen this in a couple of places. I lack the ability to substantiate this because I don't have any access to the documentation I would need. So the story goes that there was a German prisoner of war. He was in the U.S. in Alabama. And after the war, he was released and he went back to Europe. In roughly 1953, he returned to the U.S. to gain citizenship. He wanted to be back. Right. He wanted to live in the U.S. for whatever reasons. We don't know that much about this man other than here's the interesting thing about him. He brought hatching eggs for the Appenzeller Spitzhaben with him Mm -hmm. and provided essentially what is the foundation of that breed in the United States. Right. Interestingly enough, from what we've read, the Spitzhaben did not arrive in the U.K. until 1978. Yeah. Here's the difference. In the U.K., they are recognized by the British Poultry Club, where in the United States, the Spitzhaben is not currently recognized by the American Poultry Association. That's crazy to me. There is an Appenzeller Spitzhaben Club of America who are working towards that goal. And you can go on their website. You can. If you visit their website, you will find the breed standard that they're promoting to the APA. Their goal is to breed the Silver Spangled Spitzhaben, which is the most common variety, as closely as possible to the Swiss standard. That is the prettiest one. I think it's beautiful. It's it's black and white spangled, and it's beautiful. There are other colors. Let me name some of these. Go ahead. There's gold, chamois, black, and blue. So those five varieties. Yes. And if you go to the website, there are drawings or paintings of them. Right. That There's are really paintings pretty. of them. They're really pretty. The five different varieties. Yeah. They almost look like they have hearts on them. I think so, too. You know who else has that look is the Sicilian buttercup. Yes. The spangle is almost heart-shaped. It's very pretty. So for the other colors, the club is using the UK standards. They're borrowing from the British Poultry Club. So just to reiterate that, Silver Spangled Spitzhaben, they want to use the breed standard from Switzerland. Right. other colors, they want to use the UK standards. So good luck to them to get this bird recognized by the APA. Yeah. This bird does have a reputation of being slightly flighty. Yeah. And it's going to need some foraging areas. So it's going to need some supervised free ranging. Yeah, I did read that they don't like to be confined and that they are good flyers and that they like to roost in trees. So here's the thing. (laughs) 
every bird is different as in every person is different. Uh-huh. This is a bird that you will have to work with if you get as a chick. You yeah. can definitely change what that stereotype is of a bird. I totally agree with you. So if you work with a bird all the time mm-hmm. from the beginning, you can change flighty into cuddly. Yeah. But you have to work. Here's the other interesting fact. They are popular show birds. Yeah, and I can see why. I, mean, I they're can see why. so pretty. They're so striking. I totally get why they would be a good show bird. We did find in various sources that there may have been some outcrossing with Polish chickens in the U.S. I'm sure the outcrossing was due to the low numbers of population, but that means that several faults will sometimes show up in the U.S. birds. Right. So sometimes the crest, instead of looking like the mohawk, looks like the Polish Exactly. And you were reading that there are some immune deficiencies, some immune problems in the birds that's that's passed on from the Polish breed. Yeah. Also, leg colors other than blue. And sometimes on the feathers, instead of that pretty spangling, it almost looks laced. Yeah. Like the Polish feathers. So those are things, if you get birds like that, you want to keep them as pets. You don't want to breed them. Yeah. And most backyard people don't care. Don't care. It's a pretty bird. I wouldn't care if that wasn't breeding Exactly. They just make good pets. Exactly. So they're good layers. They lay large white eggs three to four times a week. Yeah. If you have time to dedicate to giving a little bit more love and cuddle to Mm -hmm. a chick in the beginning, this could be an excellent addition to a backyard flock. I agree. Or if you want a chicken that's going to lay more eggs for you. Their reputation is excellent layers. The thing we're learning is these stereotypes are exactly what they are. They're not written in stone for every chicken's personality. They're just like, hey, these birds can be flighty. But we also know that flighty can be good in birds. They need to be aware of something's coming up. Flighty is essentially a defense mechanism. Yeah. I mean, my Fayumis are a flighty breed. Right. But in reality, while they don't like to be held, they're always under my feet. They like to be around. So they're very friendly in their own way. I feel like the Spitzhobbins are probably similar to that. Yeah. If you are in an area like we are in Maryland with very heavy aerial predators, you may want to cover the top of your run. And we think that for every single we do, bird yeah. out there. But certainly a bird that flies. Yeah, yeah. you want a covered run. And you want to be able to give them a little bit more extra time for supervised free range. At the very least, they probably need a large run yeah. where they have a lot of things to scratch and dig and keep them busy. The one thing that I've seen when I've read reviews of this bird for people that do have them, people that have bought them, the one thing I've saw over and over is how intelligent they are. Yeah. Most chickens are way more intelligent than people think. Mm -hmm. There are some breeds that are a little bit more savvy and street smart than others. Yeah. Take Gertie. That chicken is the well summer. She's a smart cookie. Very smart. And then you have some that are like easygoing and cuddly and are like, the Brahmas. <laughs> My the Brahmas. Orpikids. Yeah. And they make up for it in other ways. Right. But then you have birds like the Swedish flowers. Now, this does, smart. this bird reminds me a little bit of like a spangled leghorn. It's kind of shaped like a leghorn a little bit. Yeah. The small body. The white earlobes. Right. Small body. The right. white eggs. They want to have some freedom. Yeah. It would make a great pet. Where can we get this chicken? This bird is actually more readily available than I expected. A little story here. We talked about the problems with the outcrossing and the faults showing up. Right. And some of them aren't just cosmetic. Some of them are like serious the immune health problems. system. You get a bird with an immune problem. And it was leading to sudden death in chicks and yeah. things like that. So in 2013, Greenfire Farm made another importation and they were able to get their hands on champion Swiss bloodlines. 
which have provided really excellent fresh genetics to the limited American gene pool. Nice. So you can go to Greenfire Farm for three colors of Spitzhaben. They have the silver, the gold, and the chamois spangled Spitzhabens. You can go to the Livestock Conservancy's breeder directory, which we always put on there. Yes. Here's another good one, My Pet Chicken. Yeah, if you're looking for just pet quality birds, My Pet Chicken and several of the other large U.S. hatcheries have them. Yeah. So I was actually really surprised and encouraged to see that. They might get them off the threatened list. Exactly right. The Sandhill Preservation Center also has some Spitzhabens. I know they have at least the silver spangled Spitzhaben available. But note that both Sandhill Preservation and Greenfire Farms sell their chicks straight run. They're straight run. Because their expectation is that if you're getting these birds, you're going to be breeding them. you got to help with the preservation right. of the breed. I would imagine that the Spitzhabens were probably similar to my experience with the Nankin boys, where if you can build them a run and coop away from the site of hens, they get along really well in a bachelor And they're smaller. Yes, yeah, smaller body birds, right? Yeah, so it shouldn't be a problem. Hey, go check them out. Yeah, really, really gorgeous birds. Have you heard of Strong Animals Chicken Essentials? They make natural supplements for your flock. Strong Animals has used plant-based products and natural approaches to promote the health and vitality of backyard flocks. Their products contain organic essential oils, prebiotics, and other natural ingredients to support the immune system and digestive health. Give your chicks and chickens what they need to thrive with Strong Animals health products. Visit GetStrongAnimals.com today. Okay, so now it's about that time that we're going to move on to five, four, three, two, one. Yay! The main topic! Obviously, this is New Year's themed, yeah. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay, so our main topic this week is... What makes a chicken happy? I'm going to start off by saying in 2018, NBC News did a story about what makes a chicken happy. They were following a study done by the University of Guelph in Canada. Okay. Now, it was really based on commercial chickens and living conditions and social conditions and food and water, all those sorts of things. Because everyone wants to feel okay about the commercial chickens. Exactly, right. And essentially, NBC came to the conclusion that no one is sure what makes a chicken happy. And we disagree with this. The chicken ladies kind of know what makes a chicken we happy. Feel like and we're we have... sure that our backyard ladies and men out there that have chickens know yes. what makes their chickens happy, too. I agree. So we thought this was a fun model to work off of. So there was an article written by Dr. Philip Steyer, who's a corporate veterinarian at Sanderson Farms. Right. And he did this really interesting thing. Remember back in high school when we learned about Maslow's hierarchy of needs? Yes. So Dr. Sayer did a chicken version of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, and he gave it four levels. Okay. The base layer is freedom from predation. Right. Okay, we can agree with that. Yeah. The next, and I think a lot of people don't realize how important this is, the next is thermal comfort. Yeah, and that's with people also. Absolutely. Temperature is very, very important. Yes. And we'll circle back to these. Yep. The next layer is food and water. Yes. Okay. And the top layer of the pyramid is frolic. Okay. But we can expand on all of these. Exactly. We're going to expand on all of these. So if we start at the very bottom with freedom from predation. So this is the standard of shelter Mm -hmm. for them to keep them safe from predators. And really, you could pull this out and say freedom to move around and do all the natural chicken stuff. Without having a fear of being eaten every two seconds. Right. We know that there's always a watcher, whether it's a rooster or a watcher hen. There's always a watcher, always an eye on the sky, but this keeps them safe. So they can concentrate on other things. They can do chicken stuff. 
Yeah. So freedom from predation is basically shelter, keeping them feeling safe. Mm -hmm. In their mind, they're not under constant fear of being eaten. Why is this important for the chicken? Because the chicken is basically the most eaten animal out there. Okay. Don't hate me for saying this. Chicken is delicious. (laughs) I haven't eaten chicken in years, but everything wants to eat chicken, right? Everything. So in their minds, what makes them happy is not constantly looking over their shoulder. They can have a dust bath. They can have a sun bath. Exactly. So how can we do this? Making a shelter Mm -hmm. that is safe for them, supervised, free ranging. Right. And everyone thinks letting them out free ranging by themselves all day, open space is what's going to make them happy. They are going to be looking over their shoulder constantly. Right, exactly. That's going to create a little bit of fear and less happiness. In my mind, freedom from predation also applies to special needs chicken that's maybe have been attacked by flockmates. Right. Putting them in a safe place. Exactly. And still having the happiness of being with the flock. Right. But But safe. The next thing is thermal comfort. That is huge. I totally agree with him that that's the next largest category. Let's think about people first. Sure, yeah. When we record in the summer, the one day you had heat exhaustion. Yeah, I did. Actually, there were two times I had it. Yeah. Yeah. When you're in a temperature that's not comfortable, Mm -hmm. you're not happy. No. So many times people believe that chickens are from the dinosaur, so the cold doesn't bother them. No, it's not true. They have skin. They They do. They feel it. They do. They can get frostbite. If you scale it back to chicks, one of the most common reasons chicks pass away is cold. Yeah. And we have dozens of people write to us and say, what's wrong with my chick? It won't eat. It won't drink. It won't move. Warm them up. This past spring, when we had chicks shipped through the mail for the first time in ages, and one of them arrived very, very, very chilled. One of the Fayumis, in fact. Right. We didn't think she was going to make it, but she wasn't visibly shivering. She wasn't cheeping. She was just huddled with her eyes closed. Yeah. And I think a lot of people just think that's a chick with failure to thrive. Yeah. When in reality, that's a chick whose thermal comfort is so off that she could die from it. Yeah. So that's the second thing that can bring happiness to your chicken. Right. Is putting yeah. them in a comfortable. Where they can do all the chicken things they need to. A fan in the summer. Fans in the summer. Cozy coop heaters in the winter right. just to bring the chill down in the coop, just to keep it so that they're exactly. not getting frostbite. Yeah. You can say, sure, a Brahma or a Favreau or an Orpington. These are all northern breeds, and they have evolved to deal with colder temperatures, and they are loaded with feathers. But the reality there is they're all genetically descended from jungle fowl. Yeah. Well, all of them. We're now starting the time when Buttercup comes out last every day. She comes out and puffs instantly. She doesn't like the cold. She hates the cold. Uh-huh. And she takes longer to come out because right. she's like, I don't want to go out there. Yeah. And she is very heavily feathered. Right. So she's not as happy when it's cold. Was she always that way? Or is this a product of her getting a little older? Always. Always. Okay. And she's the one that's going to lay down under the coop and be right by the fan. Right. So she is really affected by the change in the temperature. Mm-hmm. Where some of the other ones are not. Or they don't present as that. Swedish flowers, which are a winter-hardy breed, they do pretty well in the cold, but they don't like it. Yeah. So they'll be in the coop on the perches if the wind is blowing. Comfortable temperatures equal happiness. Okay, so food and water is something that we can make them happy with. And this is pretty simplistic. It's good quality, commercial-grade food. Absolutely. That is packed with everything that they need. The extras that give them calcium that they need, oyster shells Oyster daily. shells a must. Nice, clean water every day. Right. 
And if we want to add some herbal supplements in there, they're natural. Some probiotics here and there. Apple cider vinegar, no more than once a week. Those things support the chicken and make them happy. Do you agree that food and water belongs that high in the hierarchy, or do you think it should be under predation or thermal comfort? No, I think it's right where it should be. I agree too, yeah. If you're not having a balanced diet, and I always do this because I think the chickens, and I think about how people and chickens kind of run similar. If there's a day that I eat junk food all day, I don't feel good. Oh, no. No. Like, I'm sluggish. I want to nap. Yeah. And then, you know, the next day you're like, man, I need to get back on track. Give me a salad. Yeah, I need a salad. I need something good. Or if you don't drink enough water. Right. So these chickens are the same way. Yeah, I think You're so, going to yeah. feel happier with the correct nutrients going in. Right. It's hard to be completely happy without good health. I agree. There are always extenuating circumstances. We have special needs chickens who are perfectly happy, but yeah. this is an ideal. Do you scrub your water bowls or buckets out every day? I don't do them every day. I do them every few days. Okay. You have bigger waterers than I do, I will say. The water bowls need it. They need to be scrubbed. Yeah. It's so funny you say that because tonight I went out and closed them Mm -hmm. and I went, oh, tomorrow that one needs to be. It's a scrub day. Yeah. It's a scrub day. I do them most days, not every day. The smaller bowls I probably do more often than the bigger. Yeah. But throughout my life as a farmer, I've always been known for being nuts about the water being clean. Yeah. So it just extends to the chickens for me. Part of a chicken's DNA is find your food. Yeah. So giving them opportunities to forage, even if it's just foraging for snacks, I think that's one of those really important things we can do for them. And see, I think that crosses the line into frolic. It probably does. These things do bleed into each other. I think they bleed into each other. And to me, that is like creating boredom busters Mm -hmm. and things like that, where it's making life interesting for them. Dr. Stair did not put companionship in here. I decided it probably belongs in frolic. That's where I would put it, too. Or maybe because they were talking about commercial chickens, the question of the chicken ever being alone doesn't come up. No, because there were thousands of chickens. Exactly. I believe frolic is number one, Mm -hmm. and I believe companionship is definitely in frolic. So we can just say for the purposes of this discussion that companionship and frolic go hand in hand. Yes. So it's what we can do as a backyard chicken farmer to help our chickens be happy in the frolic category is, first of all, providing companionship. Mm -hmm. So what that means to me is never one chicken alone. Exactly. The only time you're going to have one chicken alone could be a house chicken where the people make up the the chicken's flock. Right. But that's still not a chicken alone. That's just a chicken with a different kind of flock. Exactly. Right. Here's the thing that I wanted to bring up. When you buy chicks, Mm -hmm. you can never, ever buy one chick. That's true. Unless you know the person. Right. And they they know know you have 15 chickens. So they're like, okay. When we bought our speckled Sussex, we had that situation. They knew we had day-old chicks at home, so they sold us a single chick. Yeah. Yeah. That is a flock mentality. Mm -hmm. Flocks make them happy. It's their family. Right. A chicken by itself does not thrive, is not happy, unless a people family are the flock. Yeah, and this is the emotional part of all of this. The frolic is definitely the Mm -hmm. emotional part. Now, like what you were saying is the treats and being able to forage. That's important, too, because that's part of what makes them who they are. Right. Like we said, these do bleed into each other. It's not this clear demarcation. Yeah. Again, he was basing this on commercial chickens, and they look at them a different way than we look at a backyard flock. When you look at commercial chickens, I don't see any frolicking going on. 
I know there has been movement to make the housing for them bigger and to add things like perches and other enrichment items and activities. I will admit that I don't spend tons of time looking into it because I, I do it's find depressing. it depressing. Yeah, I do find it depressing. Exactly. So I know there has been some work in that area. I don't know how much work. I feel like the layers do bleed into each other because there's bottom three layers. All of those things are what make frolic possible anyway. Exactly. Freedom from predation means your hens can be blissfully happy having a sun bath or a dust bath. Yes. Thermal comfort just lets them function and maintain their health. Yeah. And again, that is a crucial thing. Food and water, obviously they can't survive their, without these their things. Their body, the mechanics of their body can't work at their best and they without take, the proper nutrition. And I've seen the question posed, do chickens get pleasure from eating and drinking? I think they do. Heck yeah. Yeah. When Gertie comes out of her pop-up in the morning, so Gertie's not by herself. She's with Iris. Mm -hmm. And those two have a special bond together. Yes. Gertie runs to the bowl every morning and is like, thank God you fed me. And she's grabbing it. <laughs> she does seem to really enjoy her food. And she enjoys it. And it makes her happy until she eats, until she's like, okay, now I can go walk around uh -huh. and bother Iris and right. do whatever I'm going to do. But until then, she's not happy without that food. My cockerels pop out of the coop every day and they go right for the water. And you have the four little cockerels around the water. Yeah. And they, they're so happy. They throw back their heads and it's so cute. And then once they had their water and they've splashed around a bit, then they go eat and do the rest of their rooster stuff. The other thing that's involved in the food and water and keeping them happy is making food and water available to everybody. Having the correct number of bowls yes. in there so that everyone can be spread out. Yeah. With one bowl sometimes with too many, then they kick somebody out. That person's not going to be happy. Right. You really do have to know your flock and know what the adequate number of feeders is for your flock. The frolic, I like to put supervised free range in there. Absolutely. Letting them out and then going around and walking with them, picking them up, giving them treats, right. letting them run back and forth. I always think that makes them so happy. And knowing that we're there, it's less worry on them. Yeah, I think so. So that's why I always put that at the top. And those types of things you can see, they love it. They vocalize. You can hear the happy noises. And I do think you instinctively know what's a happy noise and what isn't. Oh, yeah. When I was doing llama and alpaca work, llamas and alpacas make a noise known as humming. And people who were not very experienced would say, oh, they're humming, they're happy. When in reality, it's a noise of concern. Oh. The more you work with them, the more you get to recognize right. that. But I feel the same way with the chickens. We get to know their vocalizations and you can hear what's a happy sound. You know when mama hen is clucking contentedly to her chicks or when she's upset. Yeah. You can just hear the tone. Oh, yeah. And the more you're around them, the more you get to identify those noises. Gertie scream. <laughs> I don't know what to say about that. I've never heard a chicken just open her beak and scream like that. And generally, it's a demand for what? Attention or food or what? Both. Both. <laughs> yeah. When she's in the pop-up and wants to come out. Or yeah. when she's sitting on the step in there and she just looks at you and just screams. Gertie like, defies many <laughs> rules of chicken behavior. She really yeah. does. So what we can throw in there, too, are boredom busters. We've talked about this last winter. Definitely part of the frolic and keeping them happy. Yeah. They need yeah. these in winter right. because there's less grass. There's less time you're going to be doing free ranging. You can go back to episode four. I, we had a lot of good suggestions there. So we head did. back to episode four and listen to what we have to say. Yeah. Yeah. The boredom busters are all part of the frolicking right. and making them happy. And I think at the very top above frolic should be love. 
I'll buy that. They want to feel that love from you. Sure. And by giving them all these things, they feel love, which makes them feel happy. Mine know they're going to get hugged every day. <laughs> and they do. I have birds that 100% want human attention. Yeah. yeah. Like when you open the door and they're right there. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them are like that. I do have a few that are like, you're not picking me up. I let them go. That's what makes right, them they happy. Have to, right. If, they, if it makes them uncomfortable to be held, I don't hold and hug them. Exactly. But if they came, come running to me and stand on my feet until I pick them up, then they get hugs. Totally. And kisses. Yeah. So yeah, all these things put together make a happy chicken. Love your chickens. And if you do, all the other things you'll want to do and it comes easily. Love's a noun. Love's also a verb. Yeah, exactly. Love your chickens. Should we move on? Do you I think? think we can move on. We're going to move on to... Cracking the eggs. Cracking those eggs. And we have a nice, not too difficult recipe for something really yummy for your New Year celebration. Which we're going to do. Yes, we are. This is easy stuffed mushrooms. This recipe is for two dozen. Because we like to eat some stuffed mushrooms. We do like to eat some stuffed mushrooms. We went with porcinis. You sometimes see them called baby bellas, baby portabellas. They're the perfect size. The porcini, they really are. So we went with 24 of them. Not too huge. Yeah. You don't want a big, huge mushroom. No, then it becomes a meal. And down the road, we're going to be doing a really good stuffed mushroom cap yeah. recipe. That's down the road. So you want 24 of them. You want them cleaned. You want the stems removed. You're going to chop the stems and set them aside. You're going to cook a roll of bulk sausage. Now, you use a turkey sausage. I use a turkey sausage. And I use Beyond Sausage, vegan sausage. And you can use regular sausage. You can, whatever works for you. So you're going to break it up, cook it. When it's mostly cooked, you're going to add garlic, minced onion, and those chopped mushroom stems. Mm -hmm. Saute them until they're tender. Then you're going to add some fresh herbs. You can do parsley, thyme, oregano. Any winter herbs are Any good. winter herbs, right. We actually went with the thyme and oregano because they smell good and they taste delicious. And I have those in my garden. Right, me too. So then you set that mixture aside to cool. You just need one egg. You're going to beat the egg. Right. You're going to add a couple tablespoons of breadcrumbs and a couple tablespoons of grated cheese. You use Pecorino Romano. I used vegan Parmesan because that's right. what I, I can get my hands on. You're going to mix those things together. And then you're going to mix them into that sausage mixture mm -hmm. that you make. And the egg in this kind of acts as the binder. The binder, right. Yeah. That's some richness. That it holds the filling together. Now, this is the thing I want to say. The importance of the egg in this recipe is immense. Mm -hmm. Like you might say, oh, this recipe, it only has one egg. Well, the egg has a huge job. To keep everything holding together. And you just use tons of eggs for your holiday baking. So, And <laughs> it also brings richness into our it mixture. It absolutely does. Yeah. It holds everything together. It adds the richness from the yolk, which I, I it think kind of heightens the taste. Yeah. So you mix all that stuff together. You're going to spoon it into your mushroom caps. Mm -hmm. You know, set them on a baking dish. I like to use a rimmed baking sheet. You can also use a baking dish. You can use a cookie sheet, anything like that. I like to put them on foil and drizzle them with some really good olive oil. Yeah. Uh, you're going to bake them in an oven at 375 for about half an hour. Because keep in mind, you're baking the mushrooms. Right. Along with heating and baking the, the mixture filling, inside. Yeah. Bake them for about 30 minutes until the filling is completely cooked and the mushroom itself is cooked and tender and serve them. They're absolutely delicious and are great served with. Our next topic. Which we're also going to have on New Year's Eve. Yeah. So it's a great recipe. Try it. Mm -hmm. Send us pics. We're going to try it on New Year's Eve for our New Year's Eve lunch. I think it's about that time we move into 
Retail therapy. Retail therapy. Yeah. This is what we did last year. This and we're is our keep, annual. We're going to keep the tradition going. Yes. And if there's other places around you during the year that you notice, send yeah. us the information. We would really, really love suggestions for this. We kind of keep our eye out all year long. Yeah. But we would really appreciate suggestions. Retail therapy for this week is chicken booze for booze you. Booze for you and not for your chicken. Don't give your chickens booze. No. We had a lot of fun with this topic It's last always super year. fun. And so we want to keep the fun going for New Year's. Mm-hmm. We like for our New Year's to buy wine and beer that has chicken on the label. Because we just roll that way. That's right. Because we're right. chicken ladies and the bottle's got to be right there. It really does. We'll start with an update. And everyone knows this wine. Love you, FMA. Yeah. Last year, we had a lot of the rosé at our New Year's luncheon. It was delicious. And we had it at our garden park. We did, actually. The red and the white are perfectly pleasant. They're perfectly good. Wine under $10. We really like the rosé. The rosé was my favorite. Here's this year's news. You can now get that rosé in a box. Sippy cups. <laughs> Grown up Juice sippy box. Cup. Juice box, right. Well, you can get it in the big box. And I love the big box because I'm the only person in my household who drinks alcohol. Yeah. So for me, the box keeps the wine fresh and I can hit it whenever I want. The box is great because it's good to go. Yeah. You can take it anywhere. It's very With portable. With glass bottles, you cannot always take your wine. It's portable. I can take it to the pool, to our beach club with yeah. us, and have a glass of it. And I like to stare at the label with the chicken it's on pretty. it. It's pretty. It's pretty. so pretty. So they have red, white, and rosé, and it's the French wine. You cannot go wrong with this wine. And the price point is very nice. Oh, it's very, very nice. So that's our update from one of last year's booze. And I'm just going to throw it out there. Rex Goliath is another one. You could not go wrong with some Rex Goliath. Rex Goliath <laughs> does come in the, what they call the single serving box. Which yes. It's more like two glasses of wine. And it's a juice box. But that totally is a juice box. Yes. Yes. And that one is an old favorite. Old favorite. Never get tired of it. If you're looking for it, you're going to always find some good old Rex Goliath. Oh, yeah. And if you want to look at the bottle, it's cool. You can get that in a Magnum in case you don't have enough Rex Goliath in your life. So what's next? You know what I found interesting is the one that you found on the West Coast. Let's bring that in. Yeah. So for our listeners on our West Coast, well, you know that I am a hard cider drinker from way back. I love me some hard cider. Me too. And I love apples. So for our listeners on the West Coast, and specifically in Washington State, yes, we have hard cider from Cockrell Hard Cider. <laughs> it makes me laugh when I hear it. Cockerel hard cider. Cockerel hard cider. These are ciders crafted from heirloom apples. They have several different varieties, including American heirloom. And this is a farm brew. So you yeah. have to be local to the area. Exactly. And where is it about in Washington? It's pulling up Washington. If you're local to that area in Washington, go there, check it out. Cockerel hard cider. Yeah, and have one Love for it. us. Yes, please. This website made my mouth water. I was like, gosh darn, we need to go to the West Coast just so I can. We need to go to Washington State. We have a lot of listeners in Washington State. If you came down to it and said you can only have wine or hard cider. I'd probably go with hard cider. I might too. I love wine, but I think hard cider is my true love. Yeah. Let's go to the other extreme. You found the red. Yeah. So that is a Napa Valley Zinfandel. Uh, Uh, Yeah. It's Robert Bale Vineyards. And they have a great story. So they have black chicken Zinfandel. Now, this is a higher price point. You're going to look at about $50 a bottle for this Zinfandel. I want to go back to Napa. Joe and I went a few years ago. Yeah. Loved it. 
I'm going to have to go to that vineyard. Some Zinfandels have a little bit of a coarse. Yeah. Like they can be a little rough. Yeah. This one, no. You want me to read the description from Total Wine and More? Oh, yes. The black chicken is another crowd pleaser. A hedonistic mouthful of rich and fruit-saturated zin. Bursting with jammy, juicy black fruit, the assertive flavors barge their way in and stay for days. <laughs> and days! <laughs> that is awesome! It's, How can you not want a wine okay, that is described that way? It is funny, but I will say that it really is an amazing wine. It is! Just from the description, I'm like, I need this wine <laughs> Well, it gets better, life. but it gets better because there's a really fantastic story behind this. Oh, yeah. This you story is it? really good. So Black Chicken Zinfandel is named for the winemaker's mother, Clementina's Black and White Chickens. I like that name, Clementina. I love it. Well, they are Italian immigrants. Uh, figures. Right? And they were making wine during Prohibition. So the story goes that a call to the family's home using the password Black Chicken was the key to getting a bottle of bootleg Zinfandel. Oh, yeah, baby. Oh, yeah. And in fact, the family survived by selling their underground wine as well as produce and eggs. Amazing. Yeah, so black chicken was your passport to getting some underground Zinfandel. I love so that. our next chicken lady trip is going to be back to Napa. It might have to be. To this vineyard. Yeah. To meet this family and say, we love your story. We need the black chicken Zinfandel, please. Just ring them up and say, black chicken. I'm not sure how far that would get you anymore. But anyway, so if you're looking for a serious splurge, like about 50 bucks for a bottle, go for the Black Chicken Zinfandel. So if you have an anniversary and it'll or stay for days. a birthday and you tell your hubby, this is what you want. Stays for days. <laughs> stays for days and days. So that's our big splurge. So I have the next one. Uh-huh. I did some research, and this is for local peeps here in Maryland. Okay, or right in the Mid-Atlantic. In the Mid-Atlantic mm -hmm. area. Mm -hmm. And there is a farm brew called Patriot Acres in Queen Anne's County, Maryland. So Southern Maryland, yeah. Southern Eastern Shore, Maryland. Mm -hmm. And this is one that when the weather gets warmer, we are going. Absolutely. We have not been able to get there yet. Nah. So this is a fourth-generation family-run farm. Okay. Okay. And it's on 103 acres in Sudlerville, Maryland. And this family has owned this farm for over 100 years. Nice. They started with alpacas and a few chickens. Okay. So let's name what they have on the farm. It's a working farm uh -huh. that brews their own beer. Okay. And when you go there, you can visit with alpacas, 150-plus chickens. Nice. A duck, some geese, sheep. Cats, four livestock guardian dogs, and two farm dogs. What kind of sheep do they have? Lincoln sheep. Oh, I love Lincolns. Lincolns were the first breed I ever wanted. Really? They're big sheep. They're in the same family as the Lester Longwolves that we saw. Oh, yeah. They do look like that. We really do need to go so I yeah. can go drool over somebody else's sheep and chickens. So this is more about getting a farm experience uh -huh. and tasting these beers. And the farm itself supports veterans. Nice. Hence the name Patriot Acres. That's great. And I think we're going to finish up with another local brewery. So this is one that's right here in Baltimore County in Ellicott City. In Ellicott City. And this is Manor Hill Brewing. And it's another farm brewery. We love the farm brews. We really do. Well, they caught our attention because they have an India Pale Ale. Yes. That they feature portraits of their own chickens on. Yes, they have multiple chicken labels. It's so cute. I think it's Americana. Or was it I an saw, Easter egg? 
There were several of them. There were one several. One might be an Americana. One might be an Easter egg. Or one looks like a silky. Yes, it was definitely I mean, a silky. They literally have a bunch of different chickens that they use on the label of this IPA. Yes. So I can't drink it because it's not gluten-free. But I can. But you can. Yeah. So Manor Hill Farm Brewery IPAs are all labeled with their chickens. Yeah, I love this. And just to close it out, if you're a bit of a home brewer, I'm kind of a home brewer. I make the occasional meat or hard cider or fruit wine. I do not. So I'm just going to have to drink your stuff. <laughs> wait till those new apple trees. You laughed me about those apple trees, but you wait till those apple <laughs> trees know, are when here. You, when you said, I love some apples, I was thinking to myself in my head, yeah, you got, this, you got this apple trees coming. <laughs> You're laughing now, but you wait till I have those five beautiful apple trees in my heart cider. You know what you're going to do? You're going to go over to Zazzle. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what I'm going to do. Because on Zazzle, you can order chicken labels. For your own beer and wine. For the home brewer. For yes. the home brewer. So if you're like, I'm making this excellent beer, yeah. hard cider or wine, and I want to make a label. Yes. Go to Zazzle.com. And you can dream up. They have like hundreds of labels. I can make some Nankin scrumpy. <laughs> <laughs> You're laughing, but you'll drink it. Hey, if it makes some good hard cider, I'll you be drinking the hard the cider. Next year, we're going to be profiling my hard cider. Well, then we're going to have to order our labels from Zazzle. Yes, it could be coffee will. with the chicken ladies hard cider. Yes. We'll see how this works out. It's going to be great. And you can't go wrong with any of these. No. Oh, no, no. This is all good stuff. Go if drink he- it. I have one thing I want to send out there. If you have a local place that you know of Mm -hmm. that has chicken labels or you saw something in the liquor store, send us pictures. Yeah. We would love to see it. We could showcase it next year. Stick it on the IG. Yeah. So should we tell everybody what we're going to be talking about next week? Next week, which will be the first podcast of the 2022 year, we are spotlighting the absolutely adorable Seabright. Ella, this is for you. Yeah, she loves the Seabrights. Our main topic is the fascinating anatomy of the chicken ear. Huh? Mm Mm-hmm. Cracking the eggs, we're going to do pastina, which is a creamy pasta and egg dish. Because you know it's January. Yeah, that that sounds really good right about now. We need something hearty. And our retail therapy, we're going to talk about a vintage pottery that produces some really, really nice chicken stuff. The Gustin L.A. Pottery. Have you guys seen my soup tureen on IG? Oh, the hen wrapped in the blue kerchief for the yeah. blue shawl. I, I, they make I love her. her. Yeah. So, so that'll be fun. That's all going to be fun for next week. What we want to say to you guys now is happy, happy, happy new, new year. year to you and your chickens. To you, your chickens, your family. Have a great time. And don't give booze to your chickens. Don't give booze to your chickens, but drink lots of chicken booze. <laughs> So, what should we tell everybody to do? Hug your chickens. Every day and kiss them too. Don't forget, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. If you'd like to see more of us, please follow us on Instagram at Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. If you'd like to help us grow the podcast, please leave us a written review on Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to become a patron of the show, please visit our Patreon page, patreon.com slash coffee with the chicken ladies. Thanks for listening.